For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciousness from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Jesus is the word of the Lord. Well, you might remember this passage. You might remember when I spoke about this passage before. I mean, I, I did speak about Hebrews from time to time uh, two years ago. Uh, we walked through the book together, if you can remember. And I, I spoke about this passage, and it has a, a, an illustration attached to it that you might remember. It was the Velveeta passage. Now, if you can remember the Velveeta passage, and what I meant by that was to say that uh, all of this little temple stuff, and all these little goats and sheep, and the herding, and the, the, the animals, and the sacrifice, and the blood, and the sprinkling, that was an imitation of the time to come. It wasn't real. And I used the Velveeta illustration to speak about the pizza uh, that you make and you, you pound the dough and you slave over the sauce and you grow the ingredients by, by, uh, uh, by slaving in your garden only to sprinkle Velveeta cheese on top of it. Now, that might be healthy to some. Uh, that was not my interest. My interest was always a good Gouda or, or something along that lines. My, my experience has been that uh, the cheaper the cheese, the worse the pizza. And uh, even right there on the package, Velveeta says an imitation. Well, that's what I was trying to get at when I preached that. And boy, did I get a lot of letters... And a lot of people speaking about how Velveeta's good, Velveeta's good, Velveeta's good. And that illustrates my point. It's good. These things are good, but they're still an imitation of the thing to come. So I, I preached on this before, and I racked my brain. How am I going to preach something fresh from this passage again? And if you speak, and if you hear about it, you will see it. If you turn to to verse 15, you'll see it. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. If you know me long enough, you speak to me long enough about these types of matters, you know that this concept of a mediator is crucial to our faith. It's crucial to who we are. So whenever I preach this passage, I, I really want you to desperately understand what this means by being a mediator. But before I get to that, I had to wrestle to get to where to understand what a mediator is. I had to get to the question. I had to get to the concept of why did God create us? I can ask you that question. I can look out here and we can all come to some sort of consensus or some sort of point. But I'll tell you, there is a reason why I believe that God created us. There's a reason why I think that is very, very clear in my mind. 
Now, the, the classic Reformed tradition, and I'm not disagreeing with it, certainly not disagreeing with it, speaks of He created us for His glory. That's what it says. He created us for His glory. And I don't think that that's wrong. But I think that there's a particular reason. And, and there's actually several other examples of how that uh, folks try to explain why he created us. Um, and uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll go through three to explain how it's not. How uh, these three things uh, are not right. How these three things that uh, your average person you might encounter, how they might answer this question. The first one, first one being is God is a uh, a game player. He likes to set things in action and play games, and he draws delight from them. And he likes being playing games with people. And um, that's a, that's an average uh, atheist description in my mind. My in- encounters with uh, my atheist friends. I've encountered that description that he's just this divine. If you believe in God, then you believe in a God who is a divine game player. That he just likes playing games with people. Well, uh, one, there's a problem with that. The, the problem with that is, is that, that, that turns God into um, uh, somewhat of a purposeless, purposeless um, interactor with creation. Meaning that whatever his whim or whatever his fancy, he does whatever he does. And he has no necessarily any purpose for why things happen. It's basically devoiding a God that we can't understand. It's devoiding him or removing from him his what he's doing with creation. It's removing from him the purpose of what he is doing in this world. And I mean, you know, you speak about that with atheists and you can understand how uh, clearly uh, if you don't believe in a God or if you don't believe in a loving God who was restoring all of creation to him um, maybe some of these things that happened in this world you know children dying and what have you as just a cruel game yeah that I guess that makes sense to them but that's not the God we worship another example of why did God create us is is that he um, he was a, a God that felt compelled he he needed to love something he he almost got uh, so bound up in, in loving uh, within the inner Trinitarian description or whatever you want to say. He just was so full of love, he had to create. Here's the problem with that. The problem with that is is that it, it, it makes God a compulsive God. Um, it almost makes God himself uh, someone who is in need of uh, to satiate an urge which ultimately makes his urges more powerful than him. It makes this desire more strong than who he is. So if he created us because he felt compelled to do so through his urges and his desires, it's not him who created us, it's those desires that ultimately created us. That's the big problem with that, is, is it puts God as a, uh, uh, basically a, a, the beck and call of desire. And that's not right. Nothing in scripture ever would suggest that is true. Um, and then finally, um, the classic uh, agnostic, he sets creation into a drift. Meaning that <clears throat> he just did what he wanted to do. He created it. 
pushed it away from himself, and no one could really understand exactly why he did that. That's not right either. That, 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 that's bound to do, well, why did God create us? It's a mystery. Well, that, that may be true, but I don't know if that's... Uh, uh, I think we can do a little bit more vigorous work and see something that is very true about why God created us. So we go back to the classic Reformed example. He created us for His glory. That may be true. I'm not knocking that. But I think that there's a more particular answer underneath His glory. That I, might be, this might be actually overarching over His glory. I don't know how to put it. It's not really necessary. What I see it as is His love. He loved us. Before He even knitted us in the womb, before, before there was even an Ohio, before there was in a Columbus, Ohio, or before there was a, a, a in United States, before there was even the existence of North America, before there was the existence of land and water, before there was the existence of light and darkness, He looked at Brody Hyde, that little baby. He knew that little baby, and He said, I want him. I want to create him. He thought of me, Dan Torres, and he's like, I love Dan Torres. And I wanted him to exist. I want him to exist. You see, that's where we're at. That's the, the beauty of this expression. And I don't think we necessarily think of God in this way. I think we think of Him as a, a God of glory and distance from who we are. But we don't think of Him as one who loves us so much that He's bound with so much love. Love that we, can only, we will never get a full glimpse of how much the depth of this divine being loves us. I mean, we get it with the cross. We get huge expressions of His love for us. But I don't think we can understand the full depth. And that's kind of that love that I'm speaking of. Yeah, that it comes to His glory. Our response to that love glorifies Him for sure. And when we respond in our created order, the way we were created in a way that is holy and righteous and loving, it gives Him glory. But I also think, if you can remember my last two sermons, I also, thinks, I also think it has a lot to do with how much He loves us. It, it, it delights Him. Not because He set this law in motion, and not because He's just holy and righteous and, 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 and demands glory as to why He does this, and why He uh, uh, delights in the fact that we are holy. But it's because He loves us, much like a, a child who listens to you. You delight in the fact that he listens to you or she listens to you and you get excited about that and that makes you happy. That is also uh, why I think he created us is because he loves us. And so he wanted to create us because he loved us and he knew us before we were even created. So we have this beautiful love here. He created us already with this beautiful love and this essence of who we are. And that's the beauty of this. And if I just preached that sermon, if the ten minutes here that I preached in this sermon just stood right there, that would be all that I would need to preach. And that would be good news. I spoke to you of a loving God. However, we have a problem. 
We have a problem, though. Because you see, when he looked at Adam and Eve in the face and he said they're good, they're very, very good. The Hebrew is like uh, super duper good. The, the Hebrew, uh, the scripture um, would be interpreted in the Jews uh, would say, good, good. And that's what we would have. We could say that. We could say, God created us good, good. Yeah, we also have another situation too, which is in that good, good createdness. When God looks at us and He loves us, we rebelled. We rebelled from Him and the fall happened and it corrupted us. It corrupted who we are and who we were meant to be and how you were created and that, that intimacy was fractured because we became rebels. We rebelled and in order that, that grieved God's heart. Not as if that love disappeared. Not as if that love t was, was immediately extinguished and now no longer that love exists. No, no. But because He was a holy and righteous God, He can't be in the presence of that rebellion. That rebellion is a rebellion directly at the core of who He is. We rebelled at the core of who He is. And He says, I need to separate you from me. Now, of course, if I just leave it at that, that would leave you in a bad place. <laughs> and that's not where God leaves us, because He loves us. That love always still existed. If that love didn't exist, He would have uh, destroyed us right then and there. And we would have deserved it. He, he could have let us adrift. And we would have deserved it. He could have played games with us. Not to say that he would have, but he could have. And we would have deserved it. That's our God, though. Not those things. But a God who leans back into this creation, this, this band of rebels, these group of people that have spoken out boldly against him and... and, and grieved his heart. His love compels him. His love for us draws him to us. And, uh, and he says, I'm not going to leave them alone. Because you see, there's going to come a day that Brody Hyde, Carolyn, Ralph, Dan, they're going to exist. And they're going to exist in a place called Columbus, Ohio. And I'm going to delight and be frustrated with them, but I'm also going to delight in how they glorify me. And I'm going to be excited at who they are. And I'm going to love them. I'm going to love them. So I'm not going to leave this people alone. And this is, by the way, not just for you. This is for everybody. I'm not going to leave them alone. I'm going to, I'm going to keep working on them. And there's where we have this, this situation. How do you love a God that is, wants such deep intimacy with you? Wants such perfect unity with you? And you rebelled against Him. And we rebel. Not just the past tense. We continually rebel against this God. 
So he pushes us away, and much, much like a long-distance relationship, and as you can probably re- remember, uh, or you may have experienced uh, a long-distance relationship. Who here has experienced a long-distance relationship? Yeah, see? It hurts. It hurts not just because you're uh, not getting to live day-to-day and, and not talk via telephone or... Those things exist. You can communicate to a, to a degree. But there's something about the presence, right? There's something about being in the same room, looking someone face to face, and being intimate with another person. That, 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 that just maybe holding a hand or, or just looking at each other eye to eye that you cannot replicate in any other way. No other way you're able to replicate that. That's the reality. That's the fracture that has happened. And we have a God who desires such intimacy with His creation, that loves His creation, that wants to be there with His creation so much. We rebelled that not only do we have a sin problem that separates us from our God, but our God has a problem to solve. And ah, this is the beauty of the mediator. This is the beauty of having someone who is going to mediate for us the presence of God. So I told you, not only is there a sin problem, and on the cross, Jesus Christ died for our sins. He died uh, so that we can be no longer seen or treated as rebellion, rebels, because of that, that, that sin and that problem has been taken care of on the cross. And not only that, Jesus also repented for us, repentance that we ourselves in our hearts could not even repent. So when we repent in part, He repents in full for the forgiveness and the lightness of who we are. Not only that, but He lived a life that you or I could never live, a life that what what Israel was called to live, He lived that so that we could tap into that relationship with the Father, that we can be seen as holy and righteous to the Father, not just have our sins forgiven, and not just glorify Him with our actions, but actually sit in the presence and drink in His glory, His beauty, and His love. That's, that's the beauty that we have right now. That's the beauty that we have with Jesus being our mediator, because you see what, what, what the Father did, and you heard it in the Garden of Eden, you heard it, He said, what are we going to do? They're gonna just going to be able to eat of the tree of knowledge, the tree of good and evil. I'm sorry, the tree of life. They're going to just be able to eat that from that whenever they want. What are we going to do? And they said it in plural, so it's like that inner Trinitarian discussion. They, there was a discussion... And the problem was Jesus. The solution was Jesus. Not as if Jesus wasn't already going to come and be incarnate, but more so now, Jesus had to take on the punishment as a fully fully God and fully human being. He went. And He came. He was sent out. And He mediated for us, our creation, all the created, uh, the whole creation, He mediated for us the punishment so that God could completely deal with the rebellion that existed in the creation. 
and he dealt with it as the mediator on our behalf, Jesus Christ. And he took that and he, he, he dealt with the Father for us. And then what does he do? He takes that, that love, that love that we have as a mediator, or rather that love that the Father has as a mediator, and he takes that love from the Father and he pours it into our lives through the power of the Spirit. He overwhelms your heart and your mind with that peace and that love that transcends all understanding. And by the way, I cannot even begin to explain or make sense of, except for you need a taste for yourself. So he does that for us and he mediates that love that existed from before creation ever existed. He gives it to us through the power of the Spirit. And then what does he do? As the mediator, as Jesus as the mediator, he takes our piddly little love our piddly little actions, our piddly little glory, glorification. He takes that and he brings it to the Father and he makes it holy. He is that mediator of that relationship right now. And that is what it means that Jesus Christ is the mediator. And what that means is, is, is that Velveeta will no longer be on, the, uh, <laughs> on your pizzas. That means it's no longer an imitation. In Jesus Christ, you have the reality of that love. You have the reality of the forgiveness of the sacrifice and the temple where the God's presence resides now is present through the power of the Spirit in your everyday life. Because Jesus is the mediator. He's the one that brings that presence to you. But not only that, He takes that holy and perfect offering so that there is no long-distance relationship anymore between you and the Father. You have a face-to-face -face encounter with the Father each and every second of your life. Every time you close your eyes, He is there. He's present with who you are. And you need to act that way. You need to treat, your, treat Him that way. You need to realize that. That is, that is what it means to worship Him with your whole heart, mind, body, and soul. And in all things, acknowledge Him. And in every way, love Him. Carrying your cross. Oh, you name it. All these scriptures that speak of it, you see it in that. And it's only possible through Jesus Christ as the mediator of that presence. You have no longer a long-distance relationship. And you're not grating Velveeta cheese on top of your pizzas. And you're not dealing with a, a Skype conversation and a bad internet connection. Because of Jesus Christ, you have forgiveness, you have love, and you have His presence. And that presence right now is mediated also in the event that we speak about right here with communion. If you hunger right now for the things of God, if you hunger for that presence, if you desire deeply to drink and be encountered of Jesus Christ. Let no man stop you from this table. Let your heart be your hedge. If you do not want that, then don't take it. Let us pray.